Hey, thanks for checking out this sermon. It's designed to help you take your next step with Jesus. And if you haven't been able to make it to one of our campuses and participate in the time of giving, you could do so online through our website or by texting to give so that you can continue to participate in the mission that God has given us. We hope that God speaks to you through this sermon. never gets old. Uh, the first time I preached a Christmas message was in 1979. And uh, I'm getting old, but the message is still fresh. And I appreciate so much our team this weekend that has put together this service that has really uh, given us that feeling that Christ is born and it's our job uh, to represent him out in the world, starting with our own friends and family that we'll be gathering with uh, over Christmas. So if you're just joining us this weekend, this is the fifth sermon in a series uh, that, that, about this whole thought of uh, who was talking at Christmas and who was telling, uh, the, uh, telling the story. Uh, if you want to catch up on episodes one through four, you can hit this link and uh, get started whenever you have time. In a nutshell, the angel named, there it is, uh, has appeared to a virgin named uh-huh, telling her that she will miraculously conceive a son, but not in the normal way that women conceive. Oh, no, uh, not at all. And this is so unusual that the angel has to appear to her fiancé, who is named... And the angel has to tell him that Mary has not been unfaithful. As a matter of fact, uh, her faith is amazing. Uh, our text today comes out of Luke chapter 2, and in today's episode of the Christmas Saga, the newly married couple are on their way to Bethlehem. Uh, they would never have gone so late in Mary's pregnancy, but the emperor has required a census of all the Roman citizens. Uh, Caesar Augustus, the most powerful man in the world. There are cities named after him. Uh, the, he has worshipped in shrines throughout the empire as a god. Uh, thanks to the Roman calendar, the month of August is his month. All month long, we say his name. And this guy is a guy who loves official titles. He calls himself Messiah. He calls himself Son of God. He calls himself Savior of the world. So when the angel refers to Mary's child using these very same titles, you do get that uh, foreshadowing that there is going to be conflict at times between these so-called saviors of the world and the true uh, savior. Now, God does eventually win that battle, where in 2018, we name our daughters Mary or Maria, uh, Joseph, Jose, even Jesus. Uh, 
and we name our dogs Nero. If you want a cheap pizza, you order it from Little. That's right, that's right. But not in today's text. Today's text, he's not Little Caesar, he's Augustus, and he's large and in charge, and he's calling for this Roman census, forcing everyone to return to their ancestral city of origin. For Joseph, that meant a trek south to Bethlehem, because he is a son of David. David was born in Bethlehem about a thousand years before today's story. And Joseph would have been really proud to be a son of the shepherd king, the poet king, the one who gave us uh, the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my yeah. So in today's story, which is a lot about shepherds, Mary and Joseph arrive in Bethlehem to find the village packed with descendants of the shepherd king. Uh, there are no guest rooms available. They do find a spot. We don't know very much about the spot, actually, other than the fact that in there, there was a little crib that wasn't exactly a crib. It was a, a manger. And what's a manger? It's a feed trough for, for, for uh, livestock. And uh, so we don't know where this trough was. Was it in one of the caves outside of Bethlehem? Was it in someone's uh, downstairs? You know, back then you built your house uh, with, a, with a kind of a gate at the ground floor where the animals were brought right into the house and the door closed so that you would protect them uh, throughout uh, the night. And uh, so Mary and Joseph were either all by themselves somewhere in a, a shed or a cave, or they were just in someone's house, but getting some privacy down by where the animals normally uh, might have been. Regardless, whatever it was, it was not an, an ideal place or a particularly sanitary place for a woman to uh, have a child. But this is what God provided. So you go with what God has provided. And he obviously and often provides in very different ways than we would have expected or even what we would have wanted. Now, I can't imagine uh, as a man what Mary was thinking as Joseph said, well, um, this is the best we can do. Uh, but I can't imagine Joseph's feeling because as men, we have that provider instinct in us that, uh, and I think Joseph would have maybe felt that he had let Mary down um, because these were not the accommodations. Uh, and she was far from home. So, yeah, I can, I can put myself in Joseph's shoes. I've been in that position where it was my job to provide for the family and then things kind of fell apart. I remember this one time, uh, I had this idea that we were going to take this idyllic summer vacation and go to Yellowstone. And uh, so we, uh, we packed the kids in the car and drove. It was only 14 hours. Yeah. But I had, um, you know, we didn't have Airbnb back then. We didn't have VRBO. We didn't even have the internet. We didn't have cell phones. Uh, so, so what you do is you go to the Livermore Public Library and there's a travel section and you just grab one of those books and I, I, I had uh, picked a, in the back of the books there was cabins, Yellowstone. And so I just called this guy that had a cabin, Yellowstone, and he was glad to take my money and uh, off we went. We got to the cabin, however, and I was excited because I had invited my parents to drive up from Colorado and join us. 
uh, which was a great idea until we got to the cabin, and, and I, we drove up, and I just was like, this can't be the cabin. This, this absolutely can't be the cabin I paid for already. Uh, it didn't even have a door. <laughs> the wind was like whistling through this. I just told the family, just stay in the car. And Tyler's like, I gotta go to the bathroom. And uh, I'm like, okay, will you come with me? We went in, there wasn't a bathroom. There was an outhouse. And I just started picturing my mom Walked in, there was a dead rodent laying on the ground. Well, it was what was left of it. Uh, uh, I was like, wait till Brenda's, oh my gosh. Everybody's in the car. And, uh, oh, the beds. There, there was another room, that you could call it a bedroom, but it was just these wooden slats on concrete blocks that we were gonna have our vacation. It's gonna be so great, so awesome. So I, I tracked down the the the. the property manager, and he literally laughed out loud at me when I demanded a refund. Got back in the car, started a 12-hour journey, driving all the way around the park, looking for a cabin in high season, you know. Uh, We found a place, uh, finally, and we ended up having a great vacation. But during that first 12 hours, I remember just feeling like, man, I just blew it so, so bad. And so, yeah, I I I can picture Joseph's feeling. And even after getting Mary settled in and stepping outside for a minute, looking up at the sky, I can just picture him just going, you know, God, really? We have been so cooperative. And this is, this is what you're going to do. This is your son. Not my, it's not my son even. Um, but uh, I mean, we always talk about how it takes faith for us to lean into the Christmas story. But how much faith did it take for them uh, uh, to, to just keep putting one foot in front of the other as the Son of God is being born. And it does take faith for us to believe the Christmas story as written. The whole story is packed from start to finish with angels and miracles and unlikely occurrences. Uh, that Now, if you do have faith, Christmas is wonderful because it unlocks for you the beauty and the majesty of, uh, and the magnitude of what's happening here that the, the, the God, the creator himself, the artist, that fashioned the whole universe is now gonna paint himself into the picture for 33 uh, years as he comes as a human being to human beings in order to save us uh, from ourselves. The Apostle John wrote about this. He said, uh, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the, 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 the Father, the glory of the only begotten Son, and he was full of grace, and he was full of truth. I don't think it was a surprise to people that God was full of truth, but to, to see the grace in Jesus and to, to have the, 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 the unfolding revelation, uh, starting with uh, Peter, who said, you know who you are? You're the son of the living God. To, to think that God is not mad at us, but he's full of grace for us, and he becomes human in order for us to, to see that, in order for us to get more familiar with what the Bible calls the glory of God, uh, or which is the essence of God. And that's what Mary and Joseph would have been leaning into there at the manger. They're they are in the very presence of God himself. And it's such a beautiful thing. They settle into that humble space, and before you know it, uh, there's a little baby uh, and they wrap him up all tight. They swaddle him and they, they lay him in the manger. And 
Uh, God is here. He's in skin. He's bundled in this, this little package of vulnerability. And, uh, you know, the humble conditions of Jesus' birth would fool you. It, 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 that powerless state, you, you might think, wow, this is not as big of a story as I thought it was going to be, if you didn't know better. But his mission is huge. He, he, the Son of God is coming to earth in order to save, to redeem, to, to restore uh, all that had been lost clear back in the book of Genesis in Eden. Uh, and God knew that he was the only one who could do that. And I think he did it for himself as much as he did it for us. He missed us. He missed what had been lost uh, there with, uh, in the Garden of Eden, people who weren't afraid of him, people who walked with him in the cool of the evening, uh, unashamed of anything. Uh, and all that had been lost when they fell. So God came at Christmas to restore that intimacy so that not only we would know about him, but we would know him. Uh, we'd see him as our father and we'd see him as our our friend, and we would walk with him from the unafraid. You know, Christ's mission was more than just to save us from hell, although that's fantastic. God also wants us to, to, to become friends again. He wants us to have a very close relationship. He doesn't want us just to obey him. He wants us to, to love him. He doesn't want us just to serve him. He wants us to, to love him. Love him. Not just so that we can go to heaven when we die, but so the kingdom of God could come here to earth and be in us and then be lived out of us towards our neighbors um, as he has become our possession. He, he comes to live in our hearts and we become his possession and we live to please him. We live for his glory and we do it through Jesus who was born like we are born, through Jesus who lived like we live, we experience God's glory. Um, now, without Jesus, God is very hard to understand. Uh, but God becoming human, now that helps a lot. He becomes familiar. Uh, traditional uh, Christian scholars actually worry that the modern church has made Jesus too familiar. The theory is that if he's too familiar, we're treating more of the, like, a, like a pal than like the omnipotent God. But I remind you, it was not our idea to make God familiar. God's the one that made himself familiar. We just, we, we just accept that. We're not the ones who humanized him, making him approachable. That was his idea. He devised it and he executed the plan to become a human being in order to reveal himself to human beings. He set this all up so we could draw near and then be saved. Saved by a creator who loves his creation deeply. A God who goes to crazy extremes and makes huge sacrifices in order to secure our redemption. A father, imagine this, willing to be separated from his only son for 33 years if that meant maybe we would return to him. Maybe we would have him back as our God, as our Father. Um, that's how much he loves us. 
By the way, that is what we'll be marinating in uh, in January, half of February, with this series where we're going to just slowly pick at 1 Corinthians 13 and pull out different words and talk about the character of Jesus in this series we've called The Anatomy of Love. All right, back to Bethlehem, uh, a village completely unaware that God has come down. uh, And here's what uh, happens. She wraps him in cloths, verse 7. Places him in a manger because there wasn't any guest room. And there were, verse 8, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. This, this is how we know when uh, this happened. It was lambing season. This is when the shepherds live out in the fields, uh, 24-7. They're protecting the mothers and they're protecting the babies. They're helping the mothers with childbirth. If any of the, if any of the ewes are struggling, the shepherds are right there. And, uh, and then they're protecting from the predators that are out there that, that uh, are aware that uh, these little babies are being born right out there in the field. And you know, lambs birthed in Bethlehem were known to be the highest quality in the whole Middle East. And uh, they, they literally, when the lambs were born, they would inspect them. And the ones that were, uh, they say, they call it spotless. That means no blemishes, no scratches. And, and they're looking for even color uh, to be uniform that lamb would be wrapped up tight. Uh, they even called it swaddling the lamb because they want to protect that lamb's wool and skin uh, until it gets old enough so that they can get it to Jerusalem because the, the, the spotless lambs uh, brought the best price in Jerusalem's temple. How could Bethlehem know how beautiful this story is as, as the one who would later be referred to as the spotless lamb, the one who would later be referred to as the lamb that takes away the sins of the world uh, is right now in a manger right there uh, in their village. Verse nine, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Yeah, I bet they were. But the angel said, don't be terrified. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. You know, I just have to pause and think because you'll hear, you'll hear some people that feel like, kind of like they're outsiders to church. They talk about the walls falling in if they would ever go to church or they talk about lightning striking. And the, the shepherds were that, that breed of person. They weren't the most religious of people. They were, they were considered kind of on the low, on the social pecking order. They... Uh, yeah, so these angels, the light comes on, and the shepherds are more terrified than thinking, oh, no, we're busted. And it's more like, no, I've got good news, great joy, which will be for all the people. And then the angel says, for unto you, unto you, shepherds, is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Oh, that's just so Great. Well, let's just stop there for a second because the shepherds have now been told that the Son of God has been born in Bethlehem. You go back and read it. And they're the only ones who know this. Mary knows it. Joseph knows it. Elizabeth knows it. That's it. And the next group to find out uh, that Israel's Messiah has been born are the shepherds. And Messiah is not who they were expecting. Now, remember, uh, or you may not have known this, Israel was expecting Messiah during this generation. All the Old Testament signs had pointed to this generation. But no one 
had figured out that Messiah was going to be more than just a man. Messiah, what's that? It's a guy who's going to save them from, uh, from other nations and, from, and, and bring them back towards God. But they thought it was going to be just a person. And there were other guys that had stepped forward and said, I'm the Messiah, I'm the Messiah. And uh, what they didn't know is that Messiah was also God come down. Uh, God taking on human form, human attributes, human needs. I mean, imagine God needing to sleep or God being thirsty or God uh, suffering from fear or anxiety uh, the creator literally becoming part of creation before redeeming it. Seven centuries, er, centuries earlier, the prophet Habakkuk had said, he said, I'm doing something in your day. You wouldn't believe it even if I tried to explain it to you. Uh, and, and, and soon other people will know, but for now it's just a bunch of shepherds being informed that this good news will cause great joy for anyone and everyone who believes, even shepherds. No one aspired to be a shepherd. Uh, it was a career that you chose when nothing else presented itself. Uh, shepherds, yeah, you know, they spent all their time with sheep. And they bathed infrequently. So when the shepherds came to town, you kind of mm, gave them uh, uh, some space, mainly because they smelled like sheep poop. I'm just saying. Verse 13. Suddenly a great company... Of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. Heavenly host. That's not a choir. That's an army. So why would an army, why would there be army angels there that day? And when do, when do, when do soldiers celebrate? After they've won a battle. Uh, they, 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 and then they're chanting, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace on those on, uh, upon whom God's favor Rests. So God gets the glory and we get the peace. The Bible words are Irene uh, and Shalom. Uh, these words mean wholeness, it means uh, peacefulness, it means everything is okay. Uh, the angels are chanting, God is in the highest heaven, getting all the glory tonight, and here on earth, He is restoring peace between Himself and His creation. With the birth of Jesus Christ, mankind is offered shalom, offered wholeness, offered for everything to be okay. Even if it doesn't feel okay. Even if you just had a baby in a barn. Even if your mom wasn't there to help you. Even if your, your baby's cradle is not exactly sanitary. God is still making everything okay. Uh, even before it feels okay, which I think is a good reminder for many of us. Some of us have had a great year, but some of us have had a terrible year. And you would say, I'm glad this year's over. Well, you know what? I'm here to tell you here on uh, almost the last weekend of the year that everything's actually okay. It's okay before it feels okay. But God is making everything shalom. And what, you, what we do is by faith we lean into that and we say, God, I don't feel like trusting you, but I'm going to trust you. God, I don't understand what's happening, but I'm going to trust that you're aware of me, that you haven't forgotten me, that you're not mad at me, that you're not judging me. I'm going to assume that this is just life happening, and I'm going to continue to believe that uh, you came to earth uh, for me. 
Uh, and, and the angels are the ones who say it, that God's glory is attached to all of this shalom uh, on earth. In other words, what's good for human beings also glorifies God. And what glorifies God is also good for human beings. And that's what the angels are chanting about, that God's glory and, and mankind's peace are linked well, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Another reading of this same sentence translated out of the Greek, it says, um, all who heard it were amazed that it was shepherds who told them this. Uh, they thought, well, you know, I, I don't think I could have ever learned anything from a shepherd, so this is amazing. And that's the powerful thought we're, we're just embracing today, that uh, shepherds were given the message to preach. Uh, and it's not a coincidence. The prophet Ezekiel had called the Messiah a righteous shepherd. There shall be one shepherd for everyone, the prophet said. Everyone will learn that I, their God, am with them and that they are my people. You, my sheep, are the flock I shall pasture, and I am your God. It was the prophet Micah who told us that it would be uh, in Bethlehem. Micah says, you seem small and insignificant as Judean clans go, but one will come from you to be Yahweh's ruler over Israel. His origin is from eternity past. After she who is in labor has given birth, this one will shepherd them in the strength and majestic name of Yahweh. His greatness will extend to the ends of the earth. And that's what's happened in the last 2,000 years. And that's why we're gathered in Livermore, California, telling this story. And he will be our shalom. Later, Jesus will claim that the Old Testament prophets were talking about him when they mentioned shepherds. Jesus says, I am that good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So it is significant that shepherds were the first to invited to meet Jesus, because he's a shepherd. He's our shepherd. A shepherd protects the sheep. A shepherd provides for the sheep. A shepherd prods the sheep. A shepherd leaves the 99 and goes and looks for the one. A shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A shepherd's savior, birthed in Bethlehem into a non-religious setting, invites non-religious people to come and celebrate him. Uh, to say, the statement is huge. This savior will be for everyone. No matter how they smell. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be grace if this wasn't true. All right, let's wrap this up with verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Oh, that's a beautiful image we have of her. Um, you know, there's a lot of, there would be a lot of things racing through her mind. And as she recovers uh, from childbirth, she's, she's in this state, this, she's just, she's in the moment. I mean, she knows raising this kid is going to be challenging. 
But she pushes those thoughts away from now and just treasures. And she's staring at uh, her, her child, who is also her savior. She knows that saying yes to Gabriel brought this night about. So she allows herself now to enjoy the fact that she said yes. She treasures that. Let me encourage you to treasure some things this Christmas. Things aren't perfect in your life, but there are some wonderful things in your life that you need to remind yourself of. Um, and whether that means after everyone is to bed and, and you can just sit down by the tree or maybe even go out and look up into the night sky and just treasure and slow down and not let Christmas blast past you. Um, don't be robbed of the moments you have in the next day to ponder these things. Um, not only what happened on that first Christmas, but why it happened. Because you are the why. You're the reason it all took place. You're why a perfect God with no needs of his own became one of us for no other reason but to draw you back toward himself. It was and still is God's hope that you would want to know him even more intimately. That you wouldn't just want things from him, but the number one thing you would want from him is him. That you would want to love him like he already loves you. You know, from the beginning of time until now, there has never been a more selfless or abandoned sacrificial act of pure desire than the appearance of the Son of God to earth. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man no more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory. To the newborn king. And God, we give you glory. For so many of us, we, we crave that peace. And for some of us, we have been waiting for circumstances to improve before we allow ourselves to feel peaceful. Help us to see the error in our ways that we can just receive the peace and the circumstances will follow. As you, our shepherd, care for your sheep, we pray that you would care for each and every one of us. And in turn, we will follow you. So now the Lord bless you and keep you. May the great shepherd of the sheep provide for you. May you never feel that you're not good enough to enter into his presence because this, this shepherd laid his life down for you. You can live for him. I bless you in the name of the Father, 
the Son, the Holy Spirit.